Welcome to That Scene, That Song, a podcast series dedicated to discussing the films and songs that have had a profound effect on our lives. We will be having a broad collection of interesting people talking about the films and songs that they love most and a little bit about how they got through life through the songs and films that they enjoy. I hope you enjoy this series. Welcome to the first episode of that scene, that song, with what we see. And the premise of this is to really discuss with uh, our What We See family the power of film and music. And we want to get a little bit into the details of great art. So we're going to be talking about specific scenes in movies that have had a profound effect on our guests and parts of songs that just lift you to a higher place. And for our first guest, we have Eliza Butterworth. Thank you for having me. Queen from Lincolnshire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She needs no introduction. Thanks for being here. Obviously, you are a lead in one of my favorite shows on TV at the moment, The Last Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And you have somehow found some time in your calendar, even though you're still shooting in Hungary. I hope I can say that. Yes, of course. course. (laughs) Um, You are here with me today to discuss what moves you. But before we get there, I wanted to just understand a bit more about you and how, you know, how, where you, when you decided to, to, to take acting on as your, your life's calling um, and coming from Lincoln mm-hmm. to the bright lights, big city of Netflix yes. town. Um, <laughs> how did we get here? Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me. Oh, come on. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really important for me to be here today because it's just so lovely to delve into what you know art means to people, yeah. film and movies. And as you say, um, what kind of inspired me to get into acting? Um, I think I was actually quite late in the game. I was about fifteen. And um, my teachers made me do this um, sort of, they called it a news review sort of show. And everyone had to do these different um, sketches that were from the sort of 70s, 80s, really sort of old school things. And I was given a sketch by Joyce Grenfell, um, who was a wonderful comedian at the time. And I remember being so shy and I didn't want to do it. And my mum and dad were like, come on, you know, you're so shy, just have a go. And I did it. And because it was comedy, people did laugh. And Mm -hmm. I remember just being bitten by the bug at like 15. And I thought, oh, that's why people like standing on stage and doing theatre. And okay, okay. And then from then I joined the little drama club. And I did um, like um, The Crucible, uh, West Side Story. Yeah, Yeah. really heavy stuff. They mixed like musical theatre in with like really like heavy plays. Um, We did a lot of Shakespeare. And so by the time, I was about 17 my drama teacher said why don't you apply for drama schools and I thought well so he or she could see there was something there a little bit of potential but at the same time I knew nothing about what I was doing because I'd only been doing it for a couple of years and I'm certainly not from a family of actors or anything like that we all love films and television and music but nobody had ever delved into so you were never a look at me child you were never that that kid that no no. the absolute opposite because a lot of people I went to drama school with said oh yeah I knew by the age I was five I was always right Agent at nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was yeah. only in that movie, this thing. And I was just the opposite, which I almost feel made it better for me for training because I was more malleable. I really didn't know anything. I was yeah. a blank canvas. And obviously everybody goes about it in their own way and it's always beautiful to see different methods. And But for me, I think it was good to not know anything and just be taught from such a young age. And I got into RADA at 17 and I was 18 when the course started. And then from then on, moved to London and then was just my mind was blown from 
all of the art and the culture and Rada's is not an easy place to get into. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. So, I mean, your teacher saw some real talent. Absolutely. And they really believed in me and they helped me pick my monologues and, you know, really taught me all about like classical texts because that was the one thing I knew that differentiated Rada from other schools is their love and um, passion for classical Mm -hmm. works. So, you know, the Shakespeare, the Jacobeans, Mm -hmm. Restoration, even Chekhov. Mm -hmm. And so I made sure I chose pieces that sort of aligned with what they wanted. Were you the only person from your school that went to Rada? Yes, yes, so far. But it was really strange because after I graduated, it's inspired all these amazing young kids to go, actually, I'll apply for drama school. And it's something that we never even thought of doing. From your... Yes, from my old school back Amazing. in Lincoln. Do they have like a shrine Brilliant. for you, yeah? Well, it's funny you say that, Miss <laughs> I mean, That would be insane. But they did just make, this makes me laugh, but it's so honourable, so lovely. They've made the Butterworth Award for Acting no, at my school, which is the sweetest when did, when thing. When did they award it? We have to Literally last month. Oh no, so did you go? I did. I went to the Lincoln Cathedral and I um, was there and helped present the award. Well, next year I'll come. I'll, pretend, I'll be security. Yes, I'll just yes. get put a suit on, sunglasses, <laughs> and I'll go, out the way, out the way. Out yeah, the way, Butterworth's <laughs> coming through, okay? <laughs> but tell so, me, yeah. what, what do you um, draw? Because it's one thing if your parents have been pushing you into this world but if Mm. it just arrived at 15 and then within two years you're on the way to RADA yeah that must have given you some anxiety right I'm presuming how how did you draw on um, yourself or who Mm. did you draw upon to make sure that you believed in yourself when you were so young and vulnerable that's a very very good question actually I think because it was so overwhelming not only going into this huge sphere of uh, you know acting and art but moving from Lincoln, which is such a tiny little town yeah. where everyone knows each other, yeah. it's very, you're in a bubble, it's super sweet, very protected, to London, the yeah. big smoke, not knowing anything. I almost feel like it was good that I was overwhelmed in all senses because there's nothing that I could do but fight. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. and it was a good thing. I liked being challenged. Yeah. I enjoyed it every day, you know, learning a million different things, questioning myself. And it's really funny, when you're 17, you think you're an adult, you mm-hmm. think you know who you mm-hmm. are, and all of a sudden you've got all these incredible people going, no you don't you don't Mm. yet but that's not a bad thing you're here to learn you're here to grow and every day sort of being knocked down and then built back up and and stretching yourself and you know seeing your own abilities come to life in front of your eyes and over those three years I totally grew up I became a different person from like 17 to 2021 it was incredible yeah and then, and then from RADA, mm-hmm. what, what, what happened next? So I was really lucky. After I graduated in the July, I got the job for The Last Kingdom um, in the October. And we started filming in Budapest God, in the November. You're going to get some hate. I was a lucky kid. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah. all, I know a few actors <laughs> in, in my profession. And like, yeah, I did rather than straight into like mm-hmm. BBC Netflix show. Yeah, it's Crazy. it's and I know and I and I never take it for granted. I am extremely grateful for it because that was then just the springboard into learning all about film as well. Because obviously at RADA the training is primarily a lot of classical text, as I said. Um and then we do a bit of film and television towards the end of the third year, but we don't delve into it in mm enough I don't think but it's still just a wonderful taster as to what it would be like but nothing will prepare you for a real film set and real um, responsibilities to do with your script and the timing and all of a sudden they'll change the script the night before and you know stuff that you don't usually deal with on a theatre production set Um, 
So yeah, getting to do that, and I've done it for the last now five years. Yeah. And it's um, it's. It, yeah. I'm going to give my because we we don't. No one's telling us to promote Jack on this show. So yeah. we're very honest. So <laughs> if you're in a shit show, I'll tell you. Yeah. You know, yeah. Get an Uber. Get out of there now. <laughs> um, but it's it's been um you know as someone who is you know I've really enjoyed the first bit of Vikings. Then it went all mm. Pete Tong. It just went. I don't know what happened with Vikings. Um, and then um. Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, amazing. Um, so I was a bit jaded when I was like, oh, another. You know, what's, what, you know, what, what could they you possibly do offer. with the genre now? Right. And I, I enjoyed season one. It was interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of, you know, it, it was it was interesting. Like, yeah. en- enough to look forward to season two. Yeah. And then season two was like, this. They, they're onto something. Yeah. But then I, I think... The news came out that the show had been cancelled, or it had really? been, been. There was rumours that it was being moved or moved, something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh no. Uh, and then the news came out that Netflix had picked. Correct me if I'm wrong in any of this, but no. Netflix had picked it up, right? Exactly. And yeah, for season, season three. three honestly, was one of the best shows of last year of oh, any genre. Geez. Full stop. And I was I was pissed off that so many people hadn't. Um, noticed the show yeah. relative to the quality mm. of what was being presented yes. the money spent yes. um and just the position the, i don't want to we don't ruin the show but one of your your husband yeah. in it oh. um deserved to have won an emmy last year i completely agree um, david dawson the, phenomenal yeah, I mean, actor. With, without Ooh. question and yeah. we can't say too much because a lot's happened yeah. in regards to that relationship but um I'll say it again. Mm. He deserves to win an Emmy. I completely agree. Seriously. I am yeah. on that bandwagon. <laughs> and for you to have 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 come out of Rada, and mm. I'm sure you're dealing with lots of other talented people from the set design, makeup, oh, wow. everything, the location yeah. out in in Budapest. Mm. But to to be in close quarters with an actor of the, that kind of talent, it, yeah. it must be like going back to school. It's unbelievable. Every day we would watch him in awe. And yeah. the best thing about David is the more you would compliment him, he would. he's just the most modest man. Yeah. He's just like, you know, what are you talking about? But that just adds to the beauty of what he's capable of. Yeah. Um, and you know these actors where... I don't know when you get in a scene with them they make you look good like he is one of those actors and you'd always feel safe knowing that the scene would be epic because he's in it Yes. even if he didn't even have any lines in that scene the fact that he's there everybody did their best work can you quickly just describe who who Mm. his character is and and who your character is in relation to the whole show yes so people can Um, understand so so the show is set um, before 900 AD so the Saxon era and it's all about King Alfred the Great and David Dawson plays King Alfred and I am his wife Lady Ailswith, um, who is almost in this show a sort of Lady Macbeth-esque kind of character, um, his sort of confidant, his lover, but at the same time challenges him in every way. She's so a dick. She can be. <laughs> she a dick. really is. Like she's like she's that that scratch is just ugh. yeah 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 it's, yeah. Um, but you you do that so well, and I, I I can't stand her. No. And no. meeting you was surreal because I remember the first time I met you, and I'm like that was weird because you're you're like you you. You almost you're like a Disney character. I mean, you're, 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 you're so. I think you, you you float. You don't even walk. You know. Aww. Like I was waiting for you to I break out into song, and yet you play this this this. Uh, yeah. L, I mean, what's the age that you play? So I think the first season, I'm probably about thirty because they had their children very young, like mm. fifteen back then. Yeah. Don't, don't ruin anything. But don't ruin anything. Okay. But um, by season three uh, and season four, which we're currently filming, I'd say I'm late. 
40s um, now and I'm 26 so it's been really fun to play all those different ages and sort of develop her as it goes along and and as you say although you can't stand her there are certain elements to the script where you can't help but sort of feel for her you go gosh you're so cold you're so you know malevolent and then there's little glimmers of oh no you are a human being and the reasons you're doing these heinous things are to protect your husband and your kingdom and your children and religion the pillars of religion religion. that she is so so much of her character is linked to her her version of what the good book tells exactly, us to be. Exactly, exactly. Um, but we she can get, we can by that. we can go. You and I can talk all day about yeah. this, and we have to get into it. Let's get, get into, into it. it. So I think we'll we'll start with um, let's start with the films. Awesome, shall we? Yes. You know, so we're gonna just I'm let you talk about uh, two. Yep. Um, films and and hopefully parts of films that have had a specific. Um, effect on you, mm-hmm. whether 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 um, it's made you fall in love with cinema, learn more about yeah. your your own self and your yeah. journey, that your personal journey. Uh, we are all ears, so Lovely. do share. So my first film is a single man, which is a directorial debut from Tom Ford. And whenever I watch the movie, I think it's just like a homage to beauty. It's mm-hmm. the most stunning visual aesthetic thing I've ever watched. Um, but then the story within it is so powerful, so moving. Um, and it's based on the novel um, A Single Man by Christopher Isherwood and sort of set in the early 1960s and is about um, a gay British um, professor mm-hmm. in LA. And the whole movie is set within one day and that is w- one of the most profound parts about it is that you see this man from the beginning when he wakes up having wonderful but also very horrendous flashbacks of his life mm-hmm. up until now and then... Um, not trying to ruin the movie or anything, but his sort of contemplation of ending mm-hmm, his life mm-hmm. throughout this one day. And on that, you see a journey of complete sadness and also like utter joy mm-hmm. um, through the characters he meets, through the different things that he does. And the specific scene that I love is he sort of gets close to a young student of oh, his yeah. called um, Kenny, mm-hmm. played by Nicholas Holt. Mm-hmm. They're both outstanding. Colin Firth mm-hmm. is the lead yeah. in this. I still think it's his oh, finest role. Nicholas, yeah, yeah. yeah same I adore it um, and anyway they sort of develop a relationship it's it's slightly sexual but at the same time for, for Colin Firth's character it's more it's this sort of repairing relationship mm-hmm. it's what he needs to sort of remember that there is a reason to live um, through this young man who sort of reminds him of him when he was younger this vivacious quality but at the same time just reminding him that it doesn't all have to be doom and gloom mm-hmm. because this specific scene that I love is where they sort of just lose all kind of sense of containment and go running into the sea Mm -hmm. and it's this beautiful song that goes with it um, by Abel Kozanyovsky, darling. Um, and he did the whole composition for the whole film. And the, the track is called Swimming. And they literally just run into the sea and they're swimming. And it's just this like two minute long scene mm-hmm. of just utter joy, like which is such a juxtaposition from some of the earlier scenes yeah. where you see him really contemplating suicide. Yeah. And it's like, wow, isn't that amazing? The the power that somebody can have just a little moment where you have experienced joy beyond joy and that can take you from feeling the worst in the world to going actually I can survive another day so and it's a cautionary tale to all of us where that yeah. we don't there's so many walking wounded yeah. that we, 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 we see on the bus or, exactly. or we, 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 we know but we don't fully realise yeah. and I think I love the fact that you mentioned that scene because that, that's probably the only scene in the film where as you say he's completely happy without any judgment on himself exactly loses um, all inhibition yeah. with this young man who's 
just yeah a reminder of youth a reminder of spontaneity of joy adventure yeah. and and I think it's and as you say you see people every day on the bus or whatever and I've taken to sort of complimenting people oh, whenever yes. I can yes. because although it's just a tiny act for me Ooh, for we are them, kindred spirits I like exactly, it exactly yeah, yeah. it can mean um, you know a million things for them and they'll remember that moment that a stranger said to them you look really beautiful today or yeah. really love that thing you did or whatever that the impact that that has is just everything and yeah. i think that's what this scene does yeah. for me it just shows the impact of such small actions yeah. in such a catastrophic yeah. sort of well, scale. well i mean great yeah. choice thank I mean, I you think that's a reflection <laughs> of who you are so yes. it's a it's, it's a great great choice thank what's you. what's the next and the next film again another homage to beauty in my eyes is um the film amelie mm. starring audrey tortu mm-hmm. who is also incredible um so this film was made in 2001 and it's a stunning French movie. And I just love the way it is stylized. I think just watching it is just a joy. It's, it's, there's always this scene where she's a little child and she's got the raspberries and mm-hmm. she's, you know, just things like that. Just beautiful. Um, but the scene I love is sort of towards the end. And she has this neighbor called Raymond de Fayal. Mm-hmm. And he's always painting the same painting yeah. over and over again of these young women sort of having teas set in the sort of early 1900s. And there's this expression on the young woman's face that he can just never get right. She always seems dissatisfied with life. She always seems like, you know, she's sort of underwhelmed by everything. And in a weird way, it's sort of a metaphor for Amelie's life because mm-hmm. she's sort of dissatisfied with her, you know, the love that she receives in her life. And, um, one day she decides to do an act of kindness for him, but in a weird way, in reverse, it's also for her because she sends him a little video of basically all of these wonderful worldly experiences, um, people winning the Olympics, people dancing, mm-hmm. um, you know, Louis Armstrong um, singing, or, you, you know, these fantastic little glimpses of mm. everything. A lot of people in our cry planet. in that scene. And I cry yeah, my eyes out. A lot of people cry. And you just see him watching it and just going from, like, you know, sheer sort of disappointment in whatever he's doing day after day, yeah. getting this painting wrong, to just opening his whole world up and going, wow, that's what the planet has to offer? I had no idea. And um, that is just, again, such a joyous scene, but so moving. And in turn, it's weird because then obviously he then paints this woman again and the expression is then perfect. Yeah. It's just a yeah, woman because who's... Because he's been given the, the, yes. yeah, that gift. That you know, gift. Like life-affirming. Yeah. Um, it, it's, that film is a painting. It is. Um, and I think it should be in a curriculum. Yeah. Like, you know, any person over 13 can watch that film, I think. Completely. Maybe younger. Yeah. And uh, it's... I remember when I first saw the trailer years ago, I was like, what's going on here? Because it, it, it was, it, I don't know if it was in a musical. It's, it, it just, mm. it was very, very different from a lot of films that yes. came out uh, at that time. And um, it's, again, very interesting that you would choose. Mm-hmm. You are tw- in your 26, mid-20s, yes. 26, and you picked Single Man mm-hmm. and Amelie. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> there is hope. There is hope, Amazing. yes. But, but, but how, how is it that... Um, you know these films without, you know, because it, it's not, you know, your vintage, vintage. If, if I may say that. <laughs> Thank um, you. These were not films that, I mean, you would have been very, very young. I was um, quite young. When particularly with Amelie. I mean, you would have yes. been, yeah. And I didn't watch that film until 
my late teens. Okay. I just remember being completely overwhelmed by it. But I think it's it was my friends more than anything that sort of okay. inspired me. I, the school I went to, although you know Lincoln is a very small place, it is full of art and culture and yeah. people love music and film. And I ha- was lucky to have a friendship group that was really into delving into the past. So we didn't really just focus on the current films. Yeah. We'd think, oh, what was awesome back then? Or, you know, I love gangster movies like The Godfather, mm-hmm. Goodfellas, yeah. anything Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Yeah. And I know they're not my time at all. Yeah, I was, you know, not even born when those films were made. But I look into them and I go, oh, I just so appreciate that era of life. And I yeah. take from it. And it's just so inspiring. So my friends definitely helped me find these amazing films. Oh, amazing. It's great. And I, and I hope um, you become an evangelist and an ambassador to younger folk um, with, with your taste. Because yes. um, it's crucial um, that you, in order to enjoy what art is available today that you you look back and see how good it we we can be yes um so that's really good oh, i'm so thank happy you. thank you ah. it's so lovely to talk about these films as well because it's just it's just lovely to yeah. think and i'm really like i haven't seen it in ten, like maybe 10 no, years now so i'm gonna watch it this weekend and it's so iconic you yeah. know exactly yeah. the images. and it's an evergreen film like it in is. 100 years people are still oh, gonna timeless yeah. classic yeah, absolutely good. so music you you, you are I, I mean i don't Say you're a singer. I haven't heard you sing, but the mm. rumor is you can sing. I can <laughs> so, I can try. <laughs> um, you have a raspy tone to your voice, and and so you. you what, tell me about your own singing before we get into your songs. So I remember when I was younger, my mother gave me an Ella Fitzgerald tape, mm-hmm. and I just fell in love with her scat singing. Um, and I just thought, what is this? It's just the most stunning voice I'd ever heard. And then from then on, I started to adore Billie Holiday mm. and even modernly the amazing Amy Winehouse mm. and just the stunning, soulful jazzy tones that they would produce I wasn't really into pop music like mm. I, I could appreciate it I did like it but that's just fine by you but I would pref- instead of Kylie Minogue I'd rather listen to Billie Holiday yeah. a thousand times less over. Kylie but, uh, less Kylie. but Kylie's that was awesome. an unfair comparison yeah 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 of course come on <laughs> and I think she would agree sure. with, with <laughs> us uh. but um, yeah so that, that, they were the sort of ilk that I would sort of be drawn to when I was younger and I remember then starting to jazz sing and at school I would always put on little performances um, and I used to play the drums as well so really? I try yeah so I, I would try a bit of drumming but it was singing for me that really sort of made me feel whole which was yeah. nice and then at RADA we really learned about singing in such a different way I went from doing jazz singing to then Celtic music mm-hmm. opera um, I wasn't necessarily very good at that kind of stuff but it just opened my eyes to what the voice is capable of mm-hmm. but I still feel like my genre is definitely in jazz that's it's amazing and you, you mentioned three women who you know, they had a lot of tragedy in, in their lives. Yeah. Um, Ella, Billy, Amy, we, we probably know more about her tragedy, yes. but, but Billy and Ella had a, a lot. And I think it, it comes out, um, you know, their, their pain, sadly, in many ways, is what we've enjoyed. Because yeah. they, they gave more than they maybe should have yes, into absolutely. the music. Um, and Nina Simone is the same way. You know, yeah. I, I always say is that, you know, artists like that, I sometimes wish they gave less. Yes. So, so, so maybe that we they could have been on this earth a bit longer. That's such. You know, yes. Yeah, it's. Such uh, I mean, it is their gift. It's why they were here, and we, 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 we you know, fate yes. is fate. Yes. But it's it's interesting that you 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 these are serious artists you're Absolutely. talking about. Absolutely. And I last night was listening to Billie Holiday just to sort of think, gosh, you know, I like to sort of remind myself yeah. of her voice, but I was listening to Strange Fruit, which mm. is such 
a chilling song. It's it's so beautiful, but the what it's about is yeah. horror beyond yeah, horrors. Straight and up lynching. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And just as you say, you hear the suffering and the heartbreak in their voices, yeah. and that just tells the story. But at the same time, as you said, isn't that horrendous that yet they, they harbour it in such a deep yeah. way? You know, and they push it and express it through art, yeah. which is an amazing vessel to, to use and tell stories, but that they are deeply oh, feeling those yeah. feelings. And well, it's, it's also survival. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it it's, is. Um, I mean, we should maybe do another whole show about, yeah. about that art form. Definitely. You know, uh, the, Definitely. The genius of pain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell me so your, first, your, your, your first song. So for my songs, um, I went to a school that was really into their classical music. And as I said, I used to play the drums. So I was sort of hanging out with all the musical kids. And I remember listening to them performing. And we perform a lot in the Lincoln Cathedral, which in itself mm. is such a stunning place. And I remember one day they did a little bit of Maurice Ravel. And mm. I didn't know much about classical music, but I ended up asking all my friends who were so deep into this genre. And um, this particular song is called Une Barse l'Océan. My French accent for you there. Um, um, uh, so an embarkation on the ocean. And I just remember listening to this. It's about a seven-minute long song. Mm-hmm. And it just goes from the sort of twinkling um, light waves to almost like a thunderstorm throughout the middle of the song back into like the beautiful calm of the ocean and I remember just thinking how come this song genuinely makes me think I am on the sea Hmm. just through the way it was composed the certain instruments used um, the melodies and how it really again talking about telling stories told the story from going from the beautiful serenity into no this is the you know blustering eye of the storm it's a full blown journey full blown journey in this song and I think that's what made me really appreciate classical music, that I could actually see imagery um, as well as listening to something beautiful for my ears. I could actually vision um, what was in front of me. Well, we'll we'll play a tiny segment, your favourite segment, uh, so people can have a cheeky listen. interesting how you know we don't know the composers we never mm. met them no yet their art takes yeah. you to the very place that they were composing for exactly that's ridiculous talent exactly how on earth is that even I mean I I, I find that music you, great music you can't defend yourself yes yeah. right yeah. you can't you can't it, it goes into your pores yeah and and you have to surrender and go. You know what? This if it's is good, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And, and and that's what you're describing. It it, yeah. it takes you on a journey, even if you didn't want to get get in the car. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So that's yeah, great. It does. And as you say, it's like they can catapult us to what they saw, mm-hmm. and that is just true artistry in itself. That they can create this whole entire universe just for me when I'm sat in my room alone listening to it, yeah. and I think that's beautiful. I also love every, all your choices are just good because <laughs> if someone points you out on the street and wants to profile you by where you were born, what mm. you do, you know, sort of age, sex, they would not pick any no, of this, and it's so not. good for people to realize that you can't judge anyone these yeah. days by what you presume who they are and what they're into. Exactly. So 
Bravo, and a and lesson to us all. And then, and what's your, your your next? And the final song, again, not from a genre I was born in. I, I love 70s funk, soul, disco music. It is mm-hmm. my absolute favourite genre. And the song I chose was Give Me the Night by George <laughs> Benson. My God. <laughs> and give me the night. Give me the night. Yes. Uh, so I am Nigerian. There's no one in, I don't know how many people we have, 180 million people in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. We, everybody. Loves yeah. that song. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, George? Yes. Amazing. And Give Me the Night is one of those songs. I mean, I, I'm doing all the talking about it because since I heard it, I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing, amazing. <laughs> and also, I bow down again for the choice. Yes. Um, absolutely brilliant. But I'll shut up and tell me no. what this song means to you. But I want to hear what you say because <laughs> we both have a love for funk and soul, oh. that's for sure. And it's just because you asked me what part of the song do I love? I mean, the whole part, like, yeah, yeah. the whole entire mm-hmm. song is incredible. But just the beginning when the sort of bass comes mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. and all the funk and it just, you can't help but smile yeah, and yeah. be so like, joyous. Um, and especially when it comes to dancing, it's my favorite yeah. sort of song. It's one of those songs through. that like, I I'm, I can't dance. I kind of sh- <laughs> shuffle <laughs> and mm, just embarrass. I look like a, just a, pervy uncle when I dance it's really bad and I need to just just stop now but um, it's one of those songs where I will hit the floor yeah you yeah. can't call not A&E. hit the floor he's hitting the floor call A&E quick <laughs> get him on speed dial cardiac arrest it on is, the floor it is but you know I think I think popular music in that era was so flipping good yeah yeah that you take that was a pop hit yeah you know it wasn't just one specific you know give me the night it was in every kind of chart for a reason and we don't have that anymore you know um you know i'm not saying the music the music being made in this age we're in now is bad Mm -mm. but popular music at that level is it seems like it's it's a lost art for whatever reason i completely Um, agree you know and and give me the night you can play it we should do an experiment, but you you can take some kids that have never heard of George Benson, Mm-mm. never heard the song, and just play it to them, and all of them oh, will be taken to another place. Totally, and would love it and yeah. feel the joy, yeah. yeah. And um, I remember talking to my friends, we were listening to it in the car, and we were going to a festival, and one of my friends turned around and said, wow, isn't it amazing to think, imagine if you were in the booth the moment that this song was mm-hmm. made, and you heard it for the first time, or you were in a disco, and somebody got a record out and put that mm-hmm. song on for the first time. And I almost feel like listening to music was more of a like a rare novelty back then, because you didn't have iPods and the internet to just search that song. Yeah. When you heard it, you totally took that song in, because yeah. you didn't know when you would hear it again that yeah. week or that month who would know you know unless you went out and bought the record and everything like that but if you didn't you'd hear it at a disco or oh. on the radio and you go whoa imagine what is being that? 26 then, yeah, then with your girlfriends oh, best era in a convertible time. beetle Ooh. wind Going in the, to the air, disco <laughs> on your way to somewhere that would be a great memory yes that's what that song is exactly and it just totally you know envelops the the delight that was you know part of that genre of music mm. and I amazing love it amazing choice yes. absolutely amazing and choice. I also love Luther Van Dross oh. never too much because I was sort of deciphering between the two songs but I thought there's something in Give Me the Night it really goes on a really yeah. cool disco journey which I love uh, Luther, may he rest in peace. Absolutely. But he's on my list of people that I would have given anything to see live. Yeah, a million percent. I'd given anything. I mean, yeah. just the the tone of his voice. Stunning. And Dad's um, with my father again. That yeah, song is also just yeah, so moving. Yeah, yeah that is. Uh, yeah, there, there's certain songs that um, are about relationships with parents. Yeah. Uh, Michael the Mechanics, The Living Years, is another one that yeah. I've been known to make adults. 
Cry. Oh, absolutely. That was my father's right up there. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, ah, well, amazing. I mean, Stunning. so your choices have been sick, really Thank good. You, Miss Thank Anna. you, Um but, but I also want to know about what's next. And now, mm-hmm. you obviously, uh, you just, you're shooting now, right? Yes. Se- season four. Exactly. Congratulations Thank on that. You. Um But I want to know what, you know, life and one's career is young and you have mm. a whole bunch ahead of you, you know, and pre-Oscar and Emmy, um, and they are coming. Oh, man. <laughs> they are Still coming. Don't know about that. Yes, swing that bat. <laughs> so <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> On record, I said it. Um, what, 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 where would you want your career to take you? Um, so that's so interesting because I never thought it would take me to this point as I am now. And mm-hmm. I am just flabbergasted by um, the amazing experiences I've been lucky enough to have. Mm-hmm. And um, when I graduated from Rada, I always thought I would do a lot of Shakespeare, a lot of theatre, mm-hmm. a lot of classical work, which I hope in the future I will get to do because mm-hmm. it's something that I had aspired to do after I left. But I've been so insanely lucky to do the complete opposite, something I never thought I would get to be on film and television. And so I'd love to continue on that journey and keep developing all my skills with with film and television, but at the same time, honing back to where I started, which was theatre. So to answer your question, I would love to do more stage work, um, more Shakespeare, Mm -hmm. um, and really delve into those works that inspired me to become an actor in the first place. Did you watch your favourite and think, oh my God? Yeah, the favourite. It's the most <laughs> astonishing movie. I was bowled over by that. Yeah. So that that kind of like genre of work is just insane. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to I be mean, involved. I was lucky enough to photograph um, Olivia, oh, uh, wow. our queen, really. Yes, queen. <laughs> um, and, uh, incredibly um, humble human being that yeah. sort of makes you feel like you're the you're the show. Yeah. When yeah. it's clearly her. Yeah. And, and I think sense. that lesson of humility. Um, is something that in your career is yeah. just crucial, which you have it in spades anyway. But you know, when you reach people, you know, I mean, she just won the Best Actress Oscar, oh. right? And she was as grounded. Well and, you know, I've, I've met in, Instagram influencers that mm-hmm. you know, with you know, <laughs> no no discernible talent that are behaving no. like you know, we all we all should. Uh, you know, yeah. bow down to their very existence, Isn't and then that the you, you meet Olivia in our world right yeah. now. That yeah, as it's, you say, people like Olivia Coleman, you know, the talent is endless. Yeah. I mean, and as you say, not only that, but the modesty that comes with yeah. it to match her talent is just yeah. the most beautiful thing to, to witness. And yet, we have this social media age yeah. where anyone can be yeah. a celebrity, anyone can mm-hmm. gain fame. And but it's like, what does that mean? What is fame? What is success? And what is true talent? Yeah. You know, and when you bundle all that together. There's all these questions and who sort of aligns and what sort of path and yeah. But when you watch people like Olivia Coleman, it's just classic yeah. time. I think the lessons are all. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and whatever happens in life, mm-hmm. you need to always stay grounded. Absolutely. You know, it's one of the reasons I like dogs as well. Yes. You know, so moving do on I. from Olivia Coleman's dogs. <laughs> but, um, Strange tangent you know, there. <laughs> but, but pets, pets don't give a shit. You nope. know, you could have literally just won seven Oscars, and okay. you, you open the door, and they're like, "Yeah, feed me, yeah. and I need to wee, slave." Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I think I, I think that's why a lot of very famous people mm-hmm. um, have have pets at them yeah. w- with them at all times because there's not there's none of that. You, there, there's no agenda. Nothing. Nothing. You know? And you I think again, we can we can learn from that as yeah, well. Yeah, a know? million percent. You know, um, wow. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Such a joy to talk to you no, today. No, no, thanks for coming on. <laughs> we are one episode in now. Amazing. Woo-hoo. Um When do you, finally, can you just let everyone know when 
the season four is coming out? So we think roughly it could be spring, summer of 2020. Okay. So still a little bit of a while, but I promise you it is definitely worth Is that the same? For. But it's not usually December release, no? No. So we wrap um, quite imminently and then it will take a, a number of months to get it edited yeah. and promoted and out there. And then, yeah, it should be spring, summer, we're, we're, we've been told. Okay. So we're very excited. Great. Because the saga continues. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Also, I'm going to, when when you have time, I want you to do some Ella and Billy covers. I absolutely will. For you, will. If you, if for you ready. Miss Anna, I will do Are that. Are you serious? You. Yes, I am. I am. Okay. <laughs> I hope she's It'll good. It would be an honour. Really I hope, hope she does good. it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. <laughs> The team of What We See have had an amazing time making this podcast, but it would be nothing without the amazing people at Another Tongue that have helped make this thing happen, especially my capo, the boss, John Love, who has allowed us to explore our creative juices in his studios and his amazing team of sound engineers and composers, Archie Wilkinson, Dan Lambert, and Kyle Rolf, the Rolfmeister. Thank you so much. I enjoy working with you and hope we do many, many, many more things together.